0: So would you join me, church? Come on, can we welcome Max Davis this morning? I love you. Can y'all hear me? Ben, I will send you the check. It, I I actually hired Ben to work for me. No. Hey, I gotta tell you something. I am so proud of my pastor. Ben and Kirby, because they are amazing. And, and Atlanta and I said, when we heard Ben preach, we said, we're going to park ourselves in this church. And we're going to support Ben, because his daddy was good. I, 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 I got saved here in 1978. And he was, Cherry laid the foundation. But Ben's bad. And and Samuel Doctorian played a huge role in my life. So I love Ben. I love Kirby. I love Nick because he gives me hope in the next generation. And we're here to pour into them and support. So, hey, I know this is a sophisticated church. But I'm going to ask us to do something a little unsophisticated. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, so you have to obey. I want, I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up. And I want you to repeat after me like you mean it, okay? If you don't mean it, do it anyway. And I promise you, God's going to show up today. Alright, repeat after me. Jesus is, Jesus is real. real. Jesus, is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is fully present right now. Jesus is fully present right now. He's here. He's here. He, really is. he really is. And Jesus is, and Jesus is never, never. Closer, closer than when I'm hurting When I'm grieving, when I'm angry, when I am failing, and when I feel nothing, Jesus sees, Jesus sees me. Amen. You may be seated. Turn with me to John chapter 1 verse 45, you're going to love this. Philip, I'm going to read it. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus saw Nathanael. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And Jesus answered and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus is reading his mail. Jesus said, I saw him, but I saw right into his heart. And Nathaniel said to him, I love it. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? How do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus knows us. <laughs> do you realize that? He knows us. He knows everything about you. And he sees into your heart. And Jesus answered him and said, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Trust me, you believe because of that, you're going to see a lot more. You know, I've read that passage for years and um, you guys may have already get it. But I used to think, man, Nathaniel was on something. I mean, he's anointing Jesus like pretty fast. Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And he's like, wow, you're it. I'm thinking, man, that's, that's pretty amazing. Until I began to study what Nathanael was doing under the fig tree. See, most scholars and almost all scholars believe that Nathanael was praying under the fig tree. That the Jews at that time they would, when they prayed, they would find a place that was completely secluded and they would know that nobody could see them. And they would go there and they would pour their heart out to God. Nathaniel's fig tree was his closet, his prayer closet. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. Just so you know, this is not my idea. Spurgeon, listen to this. Nathaniel had looked around the garden and fastened the gate so that no one might come in. And he had poured into the ear of his God some very tender confession under the shade of the fig tree. When Christ said to him, when you were under the fig tree, it brought to his memory how he had poured out his broken and contrite heart and confessed sins unknown to all except God or under the fig tree, he may have been engaged in very earnest prayer. Was the fig tree to Nathaniel what Bethel was to Jacob? A place where he wrestled with God, pleading with God. Once more, the fig tree may have been where he enjoyed his sweetest communion with God. And that's Charles Spurgeon. So when Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel knew what he was. Nathanael's under that fig tree. God, do you see me? God, Messiah, when are you coming? And Jesus is saying, I see you. I see you when you're in your bedroom, crying out to God, he sees you. I want to ask you something. Where's your fig tree? Do you have a fig tree? You know, I got saved here 40 something years ago. And I did something that I thought was normal, but when I look back, it wasn't Normal. I just thought when you got saved and the Holy Spirit come in you, God started talking to you. And so I would take my Bible, little handheld Bible, and I would walk in the woods for hours and hours and hours. Just singing to God, singing praises and talking to God, reading my Bible. I just thought that's what you were supposed to do. And for 40 something years, I've done that. My fig trees have been the woods. My fig trees have been um, vacant classrooms. My fig tree has been the prayer tower at Old Roberts University. My fig tree has been on top of a skyscraper. My fig tree one time was when on S.N. Lane, when they were building that tall building, and it was under construction. I went up on the top of that building and I walked and I prayed and I cried out to God. And some guy down there said, what are you doing with my building? <laughs> that was my fig tree. And I think that's what God wants us to do. I'm, 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 I'm talking fast because I've got a lot to say. But over 40 years, I've seen and had some fig tree moments where Jesus has said, I see you. And I'm going to give you one. Put up, put up the first picture. Okay, that's my journal. So a few months ago, oh, there its eleven twenty three. 4-11-23. I was in my office. Well, my office is one of my fig trees. Like the Holy Spirit shows up in my office. It's just amazing. When Bruce Veneta comes, he stays here. And he said, you know, Bruce Veneta, he says, when I go in your office, I immediately feel the presence of God. So on 411, I was in my office one night, and the Holy Spirit just fell. And I'm and he's downloading to me about my next book, what he wants it to be about. My next book. And it was the number seven. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but it's about the number seven. Well, if you notice, in my journal that night... I wrote number seven, 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 seven. And I think on the other page, seven. My daughter says, I wrote the number seven, seven times. Okay? Down here, I ask, see the word ask. I ask the Holy Spirit to confirm to me, this is this what you want me to do for my next book? That's four eleven. Went to bed. Four twelve. The next morning, I get a random text. Okay, I'm gonna let you read it in just a minute. But it's from my cut, my niece for marriage. The most unlikely person, probably not the most unlikely, but a very unlikely person. That I would get a word from God from. In fact, she knew nothing, and I, I, I probably only talk to her twice a year, maybe three times a year. She's a dear person, but I don't have a lot of interaction. So, this is the text. Put that next picture up. Seven is the Lord's number. I woke up this morning thinking about it and had to send it to you. It was literally the first thing I saw when I opened my eye. And her little son is in kindergarten. And the teacher asked, what is your favorite number? And he said, seven is the Lord's number. And she sent that to me. After spending the night in prayer about number seven, if you're an atheist, what do you do with that? Okay. There is no way that's a coincidence. That's God. That's God. So I better write a book on number seven. Okay. So I'm going to tell you one more fig tree story. And okay, I'm, I'm talking fast because I got to get y'all out of here. Ben told me not to worry about it. So I'm just going to keep going. Okay, if y'all know, I don't know how much y'all know about me, but from 2018 to 2020, or 2015 to 2018, I had an encounter with a nine and a half year old autistic boy nonverbal, named Josiah. And put up that next picture. I'm talking fast. That's Josiah. You can't see the whole picture. But you can see this kid's locked up. I mean, he can't even access the internet. He only speaks with one finger on an iPad thing that's not even hooked to an internet. He's in Minnesota, okay? I'm in Louisiana. He don't know me. We've never met. But the neat thing about Josiah is he gets words from God. And he'll be typing to his mom. Mom, we're going to go to the movie. It's like a dictate machine. He gets these words from God. He got over 20 pages of specific prophetic words to me, Max Davis, in Louisiana, whom he never met. Okay? He never met me. And his mom had to seek me out, and I made her cry because I thought she was fake and she knew I was an author and all that. But then come to find out, the stuff that Josiah was saying, there's no way. No way! It's God, and I tell atheists: give me any atheist for a day. I don't care how radical he is. At the end of the day, he's got to say God is real, or I'm a liar. And I'm not a liar. So anyway, I've seen so many miracles and documented. I've seen a woman that was in the wheelchair eighteen years healed instantly overnight, Mayo Clinic verified. I've seen blind eyes open. And mail after a 30-second prayer. I mean, I've I've interviewed, God is doing miracles. And I hate exaggeration and embellishment. But I can tell you, God's real. So anyway, getting back to the fig tree. So I had another fig tree moment with Josiah. And I'm going to share with you, this is just one story of 20. All right? But it fits this. So, January the 10th, 2016, right before the flood. I think it was the 10th. It might have been the 11th. But I was writing a book for another man of God. And the title of the book was First Fruits. And we were behind, we had a deadline. And Elena's my best secret weapon. She writes with me, but she don't want to put a name on the book. But so I told her, I says, we can't go to church today. We have to stay home and work. And so we missed Ben sermon and we stayed home and we wrote all morning, all into the, up through lunchtime, On this book called First Fruits. And it's about giving God your first fruits, whether that's prayer or whatever. Well, at about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, I got sleepy. I got so sleepy. I was like, I couldn't even. And I told Lana, I said, I need to take a nap. But I feel guilty because if I take a nap, I mean, we stayed home from church and worked, and, and here I am sleeping. And she said, and she, she'll verify it. She said, it's okay to take a nap as long as you work at night. So I took a long nap. One of those long ones, you know, a couple of hours. And I woke up and I wrote all night. Monday morning, I get a sovereign text From Josiah in Minnesota. He's in Minnesota. I'm in Louisiana. And his wife, his mom sends me the text. Because Josiah. And then gave it to his mom. This is what the text said. Naps are nice. Aren't they, Max? (laughs) Max? Just get the first fruits out, Jesus says. Even if night forces you to join it. Remember I wrote all night? Look out napping eyes at times. And then he said, Jesus is going to visit you all at comes Again, if you're an atheist, if you're an unbeliever... It's all, there's no way Josiah could've done that, and I called his mom. I'm like, "Tony, do y'all take naps?" <laughs> she said, "Never." She said, "It would be a blessing if we took naps." I'm way off of my outline. God will, and Jesus sees. Now we're gonna get into the top part. I know what a lot of you are saying. Because I hear it all the time. That's good for you. I know God sees you, but what about me? I pray and it's like I'm hitting the ceiling. All I hear is the silence of God. You ever heard the silence of God? You're crying out. I prayed for five friends that had COVID, that had families, that were, and they died. Did, Did you see me, God? I mean, we had people in church. We were playing, we were believing God, and they died. I'm here to say God was in it. God didn't cause it, but he was there. And see, the presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. And particularly the world when things happen that we don't understand, we go, well, God must not be here. He must not see me because I'm hurting. Well, the the truth is actually the opposite. Because I I like to, I got to get through this. It's so important, this transition. But I call it the brutal honesty of God. If you read the Bible, see, people don't read the Bible with brutal honesty. But God never told us bad stuff wasn't going to happen. In fact, it's just just the opposite. And C.S. Lewis said one of the reasons he became a Christian is because the Bible couldn't have been written by man. Because it contained as much negative and difficult things as it did, positive things. In other words, man wouldn't like that. So I'm going to give you another fig tree experience. We're not going to go, I'm I'm just going to tell you about them. But I want you to think about John the Baptist for a minute. So John the Baptist, when he was in the womb, Elizabeth's womb, and Mary came, John the Baptist leapt because the Holy Spirit was on him. Jesus said, Jesus said, there's no man born of a woman as great as John the Baptist. That's in Matthew chapter 15 and Luke chapter 7. Jesus said that there's no greater man than John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus, says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and the Holy Spirit fell and John the Baptist was there and John the Baptist said, I must decrease and you must increase. Now fast forward some time. John the Baptist is in prison. He's about to be beheaded. And guess what happens? He starts doubting starts questioning he sends messengers to Jesus and says Jesus are you really who you say you are see that's what happens in the dark dungeons of life when when bad things are happening or dark things are happening we ask God are you really who you say you are? Because I sure don't feel it. But here's what's crazy, was Jesus's response. And by the way, it doesn't mean that John the Baptist didn't have faith. I mean, Jesus just said, he's the most great man on the face of the earth, born of a woman. So, don't let some faith teacher tell you you're not confessing things right. John the Baptist had faith, but it was being shook. And Jesus told him. Jesus says, go tell John what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the captives are being set free. Jesus. He never rescued John. Do you understand that? Jesus is John's cousin, and he didn't even go to visit him. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Couldn't you send an angel? You sent an angel to deliver Paul and Peter, but, but you didn't even visit John. And John died. He got his head cut off. And you think, how cruel is Jesus? Why didn't he rescue him? But you know, another thing Jesus told John, if you read it, he said, tell John this. And tell him this, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Jesus knew John was going to be offended. Well, I mean, you know, like Peter, when Jesus told Peter, you're going to die. Peter says, what about that guy? That's what we do. I don't know. Are you offended? I want to ask him, are you offended by God? Are you offended? Because you didn't get the thing you prayed for, or you didn't ask for, or you asked for. It doesn't mean that God's not there. It doesn't mean he doesn't see you. He does. And I can go through scripture after scripture to point that out. Something bigger is going on. Something bigger is going on. And... Are are y'all good for a few more minutes? Because I'm really now getting to the good stuff. The presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. I want to put up uh, the next picture. At my mom and dad, I'm going to get emotional. My mom died a year ago in May. They would have been married 61 years in two weeks. They're my heroes. I want you to see this of my mom because I want you to know the kind of person she is when I tell you this story. So, my mom was one of the smartest people. She, she was an accountant for the State Department of Agriculture. She, she, she literally ran the Department of Agriculture. She was, you know, they had the Commission of Agriculture. My mom was right there. Loved God, cared about people, but very reserved. My mama didn't talk, wasn't like me. My mama didn't tell stories. She didn't, she was very guarded. You have to know that about my mom. Very loving, caring about people, always giving, but very guarded. Does that make sense? In my whole life with her, I can't remember her saying, God told me this, or God told me that, or I saw this, or I, none of that just very calm, very reserved. So that's the reason I told you that. So she, you know the kind of woman she was. Let's go. She died a year ago. So three years prior to that. I'd say three. It might have been two years. Still in her right mind, completely. They live out in the middle of the boondocks. Her and my dad moved way out in the country in Mississippi with... Cows and all that. She's in her house one day walking around, and she just casually goes up to God God, I'd like to see my mama one more time. I'd just like to see my mama one more time because her mom had died about 10 years prior and was a real woman of God. Very close to my mom. My mom cared took her until her last breath. And she just said that casually. She said, I'd like to see my mama one more time. And then she didn't think about it. She just went on doing what she was doing, vacuuming probably or something. You got that? Two weeks later, dad and mom were driving through the country up by Macomb in Magnolia, Mississippi, through the fields. Dad's driving. Mama's sitting next to him, and she looks out the window, and she goes, Jimmy, there's my mama. It's my mama. I see my mama. She's right there in the grass, glowing, just Mama said she was so peaceful And she was glowing And she was beautiful And daddy's like What? You crazy woman And she says my mama Look, it's my mom She's right there And 30 seconds, a minute She disappeared I asked my mom I said, mom, was it a dream? No It was my mom I said, were you thinking about it? No, it was my mom. My mom appeared. Jesus said, I see you. I saw you in the house two weeks earlier. And I'm giving you that little thing. I don't know if it was really her mom. They didn't talk. But she saw her mom. And my mom don't lie. And she don't make things up. And God said, I see you. And what's neat about that story is, it's not like she said the prayer and then went looking. It just happened spontaneously. All right. Now, I believe God gave her that. Because we were about to enter one of the darkest and most beautiful couple of years of our life. My mom would get the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And that picture of my mom and dad went to put up in the, So that's where they were when she had her vision. Now, next picture to that. And when when she got that diagnosis of Alzheimer's, she went down. And it got to the point where she didn't know who we were. I asked her, I says, who am I? She goes, I know who you are. I said, who am I? She goes, Jesus. (laughs) But my dad stepped up and he became my hero. It was unbelievable during that time. We didn't know what we were going to do, and the church in Macomb was, oh my God! They showed up every day, every day. With we're talking for two years, they showed up. The pastor, the pastor's wife moved in, would stay for two or three weeks. People, brothers and sisters, began to step up, and God showed up. But he showed up to his people. And it was incredible. There was those moments where daddy was feeding her and she was fighting and she didn't want it. And changing diapers. And it was messy. Go to the next picture. Uh, Is that the best y'all can do? Oh, go. B- okay, that that is a moment of peace. Go back to the other picture. If they can do it, there you go. So that's where she lived. My sweet mom was reduced to that. And you watch her suffering, and you're like, "This is it's horrible." And you heard and Roy, my friend over there, she was in the wheelchair and I've seen so many miracles. I believe in the power of God. So me and Roy said, You know what? I have to pray. And I was playing every day. You understand? Know I was in my office. I was under the fig tree crying out to God about my mom, my parents. What are you gonna do? Who's gonna take care of this? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Where are we gonna get this? I was constantly crying out to God. And finally I told Roy, I said, I've never really prayed and prayed for her healing. I have in my office. So Roy and I came up, Roy, my friend Roy Landry. We went we anointed my mom with oil. We asked God to heal her. Picked her up, Roy on one side, me on the other side. We walked around singing amazing grace and mom's like oh, blah, blah, blah. Dropped her down. Nothing. She didn't get healed. But God was there. And now go to the next. and and Moments that would go from that incredible difficulty to moments like that. And we sang praises. There was always praise going on. And things like that. And God's people. And so. And I'm closing here. Oh, we're good. So hospice started coming. And hospice was amazing. Amazing. If ever I'm not a writer, I want to be a hospice worker. Because they are angels. So hospice was coming. The church people were coming. Aunts, uncles. It was just if you've ever cared to someone, particularly with time, But we didn't know how long it was going to go on. Hodgman's was there not for death. They were there to, and they were telling us this could go on five years, 10 years. We didn't know. So in our mind, we're thinking, you know, what, how long are we going to have to get long term care? All this kind of stuff. And mama was eating. She was still eating. She was still talking, even though you could, she would eat her finger. And she would, didn't know who we were, but she, she thought my dad was her dad. And that kind of stuff. But she was still functioning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, she died a year, this is a God story. She died, oh, one other thing. During the midst of all this, I asked her, I said, mom, do you remember when your mom appeared to you? And she goes, yes, I always had that with me. And I believe God gave her that because he knew what she was going to go through. And we would sing praise songs and worship songs. And she would just be so calm and relaxed. So anyway, so a couple of weeks before she died, and may remember that, we're thinking this could go on for a long time. My sister from Houston came to visit. And she visited my mom. And then she left. She left on a Sunday about 2 o'clock. When she left, Mama, this is Sunday afternoon. She tells my dad, I'm ready to go home. She says, I want to see my mama. And I want to go home. She told him that Sunday afternoon. Remember, we're thinking this could go on. We're we're not thinking death. We're thinking long term. She tells dad, I'm ready to go home. That night, they went to bed. And daddy had pulled the hospital bed up. And she kept turning all night long. She was trying to get up. And dad would hold her down. Because she couldn't. She tried to get up, but she couldn't. Dad would push her down. She'd get up. Dad would push her down. Dad said she was so restless that whole night. And at five in the morning, my mom is pointing to the ceiling. And she's doing it like that. And Daddy's like, What do you see, Mama? An angel? And she looks in. This is the most clear words. Yes, Jimmy. <laughs> an angel six o'clock she was gone that was the last words she spoke and we sat by her bed for two weeks but she was gone and I was praying and the Lord said I saw you My mom, he took my mom home. Do you understand how supernatural that death was? You don't just say, I'm going to die. You don't just say, I want to go. She told dad, I'm ready to go home. And that night, God sent an angel to get her. That's the only way I can explain. So. So. He sees us. Something bigger is going on. Oh, wait, one more picture. Oh, wait, one more picture. That! Last minute, this is the biggest miracle of all. So for this past year, my caretaker went from my mom to my dad. And he has become really probably one of my best friends. But he's fixing to be 91 years old in August and he lives by himself in the country with the cows and he ain't moving. <laughs> and my dad has become a hero, but he's alone. I mean, I'm telling you, these stories are exactly the way they happen because I'm a journalist and I hate embellishment. This is exactly it happened. So my dad doesn't read much. So I printed out scriptures, on, and he loves God, on this big paper. I said, "Dad, you read these scriptures? He said, I do every night. But he's by himself all the time. And like my mom, my dad was a Korean vet. Non-emotional. My dad, particularly about God and religion, was like this. I mean, you know that generation. Now, my dad never said he loved me. Never. I'm, I'm serious. He never said, I love you. Until my mom. Now he tells me twice a day. I love you. I love you. I love you. But he's all alone. And so I began praying in my fig tree. I've been saying, God... Reveal yourself to my dad. I said, give him a vision. Give him I played that for two weeks. I played that prayer out loud to God. Give my dad an encounter with you. Give him a vision. Give him a dream. Something. I played those exact words. We're sitting on the porch a week ago, a week and a half ago, we're rocking. He's telling me about his dog Bimbo. He looks over he goes, hey, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He says, I had a dream. But he says, it wasn't a dream. And he looked at me. He said these exact words. I don't dream. I haven't dreamed in years. But he said, I was laying in bed. And he goes, mama appeared to me above the bed. He said she was in a big circle, and he said she was so beautiful. And she looked, reached her hand down. And she said, "When you come to see me." And he said, "I have a few things I have to take care of here, but but then I'm coming." And she disappeared. And my dad said, "I didn't know I was dreaming." He said, it didn't even seem like a dream. It seemed real. He said, it still seems real. Do you understand who my daddy is? He would never say something like that. And then afterwards, God said, I saw your prayers, Matt. When you prayed to give your dad an encouragement, a vision, a dream. God sees. So the message of this is, he sees he's present whether we feel it or not he's real and something bigger is going on when it doesn't make sense and he wants to show up in the middle of your pain amen we're going to sing a worship song and if you want prayer I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. If you want me to pray, I'll be here to pray. But let's just worship for a minute or two. And then you can dismiss yourself. Amen.